Hi, I'm Mark Beach. I'm Andy Martin. And this is the Real People Podcast. Good, how are you? Yeah, very good, really good, mate. Not bad at all. Back for uh, episode number four. Yeah, it's had a good good bit of feedback, haven't it? mega, yeah. I've, uh, I've had loads of messages, and obviously, you know, to everyone listening now, thank you so much for uh, for tuning in and giving us a listen. And, and giving us some feedback as well. Yeah, the feedback, good. and do you know what? I think the feedback's key, because for us to make this better and make sure it's working for people that want to listen to it and the people coming on it, we need to, we need to make sure we're adapting it. Because this is a podcast for the people. The real people. <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, someone did suggest, I believe, that it sounds like we're in the bathroom together. Yeah, and that's because we are. So, can you just get my back? Put the sore. But no, good. How's, uh, how's your week? Yeah, good. A um, little bit less football than normal this week with the kids because yeah. of the... And the weather. <laughs> ...freezing conditions. I was up in Burnley on Wednesday. I think it was minus eight or something when we was up there. That's horrendous. Minus six in Warrington the other morning. Problem with electric car as well, we had to stop on the way home to charge it. Oh no. Yeah. Does, does the performance of the electric car Diminish stop? Does when, it? Yeah, when it's cold, yeah. See, I'm thinking about getting one, but when you say stuff like that, I'm... Yeah, but mine does run double A batteries, so... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to sell? <laughs> no, that's the problem, I didn't get you I've got the cheap Aldi ones. <laughs> oh God, yeah, no, same though, really good week. Loads and loads of... Um, this year's just started incredibly, I don't know if it's... It's probably a mindset thing more than anything, but... Um, yeah, we had a chat about this, didn't we, this morning? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, accepting the fact that outside influences are always going to be there, I think just powering on with your business is massive and having the mindset that whatever happens... Because you know, it's never a perfect world that we live in. No. There's always something, I mean, you've got to think, you know, there's going to be a general election this year and people tend to lock their pockets when there's a general election yeah. but you know there's always certainly in what we do there's always people looking for stuff and opportunities so suppose that as well um it's with this multiple streams of income that if something quietens down then there's something else that's, that's keeping the yeah uh, i mean you know we're in. looking at it in the courier business for a long time we've had one core service and that one core service has its peaks and troughs and fluctuates and you know ensuring that we're robust and we have multiple services to offer our clients mean that you kind of level out those those trough moments yeah. um but yeah no it's good i've had a really really good week really good start to the year loads and loads of opportunities and then i think obviously the, the, the going back to the podcast the the uptake in listenership and the feedback we're getting is fantastic and i know we committed to 10 episodes which we're working our way through but I think I've got a list of about 50 people already who, A, have said they want to come on and B, I think, wow, they'll be fantastic to get on, so. And I think the, some of the level of guests that we're going to get on, I think it's going to be a real good listen for people as well. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the, the biggest thing to take away from it is everyone's got a story, and I think, you know, when we speak to different people, bear in mind, we've only done three episodes, me and you. Yeah. <laughs> it gets more interesting today. <laughs> um, but I think there's something to take from everyone's story, and there's a lesson, and... The, the, the range of people we speak to is going to mean that there's something for everyone yeah. in terms of what we're putting out there. And I think hopefully maybe when series one's finished, we'll try and piece together bits of advice that everyone's given us yeah. and put it into a... A best New York Times best-selling best book. Seller, yeah. <laughs> 
in a live tour. Um, I think probably the listeners will enjoy the fact that I fell over this week as well. No. Yes. Oh dear. Proper comedy I'm, fall. I love it when point people fall over. It sounds terrible, but... Yeah, you'd have loved this one. It was proper <laughs> legs in the earth, and I went down like a sack of... That's why you're wielding this morning then. Yeah. I thought it makes sense now. <laughs> I tell you, it hurts as well. Really hurts. Did you try and like style it out? No, like... I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> did anyone see you? No, well, oh. that was the first thing I did was look round just to make... I didn't want people... You know when people come over and it makes you feel even worse? Are you all right? Can I help you up? Do you want an ambulance? No, I don't. I just fell over. <laughs> Leave me. Oh, God, he's very red. <laughs> um, today's guest... Yes, very, very excited. Um, our first external member of the podcast, if you like. Um, yeah, really good. And a good one as well. Yeah, and I think a um, very interesting story, which we look forward to delving into a little bit. So let's get stuck in and yeah. welcome our first guest. So welcome our first guest to the show, Mr. Dean Furman. Welcome, Dean. Can't believe I'm the first guest. Honoured. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We've set the bar really high here, though, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, oh, uh, no pressure. I'm going to let you down when you're on the debut show. <laughs> so uh, a bit of background, Dean, uh, current footballer, yeah, still, um, and topical as well at the minute because we're in the middle of the African Cup of Nations. Yes. Are you watching? Watching, commentating. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it's nice when the African comes around. It's something that I've, I've been there playing it three times. Yeah. So I'll get a call off like BBC or Sky. So, so this African, I'm working for a BBC um, so we're really lucky to manage to fit into your schedule somehow, absolutely, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, we're not paying what they pay, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but it's great for me. I, I, I love the Afghan. Yeah. Uh, South Africa are there. They lost their first game, so they've got it all to do. Uh, are you still in contact with any of the guys as well? Yeah, I speak, I speak to the guys. So very close with the captain, who's, who's the goalkeeper. So I speak to him a lot. Had a good chat That's prior to the tournament. Um, and they're confident? They're up for it? Lost their first game, 2-0. The first half was, was brilliant. Missed a penalty. Um, it's kind of like our star player who's been our star player for the last five. He's blazed the penalty over the bar. <laughs> uh, and then second half, Marley were a far better team and, and won the game 2-0. So up against it now. Yeah. It's next game's Sunday. You've got to go and really win that game. Um, that's tournament football. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, a lot of luck, isn't it? Yeah. So for the guests who might not know Dean... We start our show with we Google, yeah, uh, the person. Uh, we Googled Andy Martin, found out there was another Andy Martin that played for Crystal Palace. It's, it's not, not this me. No, <laughs> but this is the first time I've actually Googled someone, and there's been loads of info, <laughs> pictures, everything. <laughs> a picture of uh, Dean with more salad pops up yeah. quite a bit. So um, Dean is a current Warrington Islands player, yeah, but has had an illustrious footballing career, should we say? Um, Playing for a number of clubs, started at Chelsea, then on to Rangers, Bradford, Oldham, Doncaster, then Supersport United in South Africa, Carlisle, and then non-league Accrington and Rylands. Uh, Altrincham and Rylands, sorry. Correct. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, That's pretty much it. A journeyman. A journeyman. <laughs> and 50-plus international caps and played in three African Cup of Nations. Correct. Got wow. it. Good Googling. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> so where take us right back then. So obviously you started at I'm assuming Chelsea Academy. So what's the story there? What got you into Chelsea? What kind of have you always been a footballer from before you could walk or so uh, yeah, born in South Africa, so um 
think earliest memories are just going down to the local football club in, in Cape Town, Camps Bay, lovely part of the world. Um, and being too young to actually join in with, I was, I was probably three, so being too young to actually join in. And me and my dad would just copy the, copy the, the players on the touchline and, and do exactly as, as they were doing. I also love for tennis. Um, so I started playing tennis very young. So growing up, it was always tennis and football. Um, and got to a, when we moved over here, got to a level in tennis where I was top 30 in the country. Oh, yeah. my age, the reason I say top 30 is the top 30 boys were on a, um, a program called um, the Futures Program, I think, where we would go and have like training camps at um, Bisham Abbey, which is like National Tennis Centre. Oh, wow. It was the National Tennis Centre. Yeah. We would have our, our like coaching, we'd get paid by the LTA, so it was only the, like a select, so the top 30 in the country. So at some stage, I kind of had to choose between choice. football and, and tennis. Surely the, so, surely the success rate in terms of making it as a tennis player, surely the odds are a hell of a lot higher than they are in football. So why football? Well, I would say the other way around. Yeah, oh, really? I would say the other way around. Yeah, if, yeah. I, if I said to you, name me 10 British tennis players over the last 20 years. Ah, oh, I suppose. Tim Edmund. I'll give you that one. Tim Edmund. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a legend, Tim Yeah, yeah no, fair but enough. I, I grew up with James Ward, who had a, had a great career. Yeah. Um, but anyone else that I grew up with, um, never really went I suppose you've only got ten. one tennis player on the court as opposed to 11 players Correct. on the those individual sports are incredibly yeah. tough incredibly tough for me was that a conscious decision then when you chose football or was it just yeah uh, possibly possibly I, was, I mean I was only young I was 13 so, so what happened was like, we moved over here when I was 5 um, playing for my local Sunday club as, as you do um, at the age of 9 there was a, a Chelsea scout came down um, told me and my best mate offered me and my best mate a trial after our game. Uh, we went down to Chelsea, we had our six week trial, and at the end of the trial, I got uh, a contract and, and my mate didn't, which is amazing as a nine, because he, he was exceptionally talented as well. And it's like, how do you, like, how do you yeah, yeah. choose? Like, how? Um, luckily for me, they saw something in me that they, that they liked. Um, and so, so, and then I worked my way up through the academy. And it just got to a stage where I was doing too much. Yeah. So when I was when I was about thirteen, I was doing too much tennis wise. I started losing to players that yeah. I should have really been beating. Whereas my football, I was starting to kick on a little bit. Um, so I think that swayed swayed the decision. I, I yeah. think looking back now, I think I just about made made the right decision. <laughs> um, I'd say so. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's just, being being at Chelsea was was amazing. Yeah. Um, huge commitment from. You all know, Mark, a huge commitment from, from my parents, yeah. my family. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it is a family commitment. Uh, my dad would work. He's a, my dad's a dentist. He'd, work, he'd, he'd do his work. He'd come home. We lived in North London. He'd take me across London wow. to training, which was at, at the time, which was at Heathrow Airport, Harlington. Um, and would you say your parents were a driving force in that as well, in terms of encouraging you? And... Encouraging. That in terms of, like, I've seen... Um, parents like sport parents yeah and i've seen that parent who drives their child away from the love yeah, of the game yeah yeah 
my parents were supportive. Amazing. They would take me wherever I need to be. They would they would sit there whilst I was I was training. They'd get home at ten o'clock at night after a long day of work. But never did they never was it their dream. Yeah, it was my dream. Yeah, I think that's really important. When yeah. I speak to parents now, I'm like, as exciting as it is, your your boy or girls in the academy, great. They're doing really well, but it has to be their dream. Yeah, if you're trying to see stars and you're thinking. But do you think that comes from as well from the background of the parents? You know, you, your dad was a dentist, yeah. so he's got a great career anyway. You know, not everyone's probably had that background where yeah. they've got support like parents with yeah. great careers and they have a kid that's suddenly talented. Do they then think they're doing it for him, but pushing not necessarily push trying to have their dream, but trying to push him out of a world that they've been in before as well you know it's, it's yeah, a different absolutely you absolutely. watch like the Beckham documentary and you see his dad was heavy on him yeah and then people said don't be heavy on your kid I'm sort of in the situation now and you, you to be honest with the last sort of six weeks you've just become his biggest cheerleader yeah because and that seems to be working better than anything else yeah. but it's difficult for a parent it is tough it, it is tough and, and you see your, you see your your child have a bad game you see the coach maybe having a go and like you only you Realistically, you're only trying to help. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but sometimes it can be misguided. Yes. Um, and I've seen it where it, where it comes from a wrong place, and I've seen I've seen it that that, that the, the talented player just loses interest. Yeah. yeah. And that's the worst thing. Um, so my parents in that were were amazing, always supportive, mm-hmm. got behind me. I always remember a conversation with my dad when so I built my way up through the academy, got to the age of sixteen, and that's where you get offered scholarship terms. Uh, to join the youth team, you're essentially becoming a full-time footballer. We had the meeting and sat in the car w- with my dad after, and he was like, is this what you want to do? Because it's like, right, are you going to go to college like your friends? Are you going to go to university? Yeah. Are you going to go down that route? Here's your opportunity to be to try and have a career as a, as a footballer. And we just, just said, is this, what, is this what you want to do? There's your offer, there's your opportunity. And just fully supportive, which, which was amazing. Um, so a lot, a lot of whatever I achieved, like they were a massive part of the journey, yeah. and I was, I was very lucky. And brother and sister as well, and they, they had to split their times. Yeah. Uh, like my brother was a talented footballer as well, so he would be one side of London, I'd be on the other side oh. of London on the weekend, and and that's that's the sacrifice that they made. Yeah, it's a big um, commitment, isn't it? It's a it's a huge commitment, huge commitment. And, but they loved it. They and yeah. and even to this day, they came to the game on on Saturday. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely loved it. Must be nice for you that to see parents still still watching you and stuff and yeah the, the most difficult thing was actually when I went to South Africa because when I was when I was playing here if I was so I was I was playing up in the north they lived down in London they wouldn't really come to that many home games yeah, yeah. but an away game if it was in let's say it was Bristol they would go to Bristol for the weekend spend the night there take the game in explore a new city yeah. so for them it was like a weekend and they, yeah. absolutely, they absolutely loved it and when I moved abroad they, they lost that they Fortunately, I wasn't playing her anymore, yeah, so yeah. it was um, that was tough for them. But they've they've enjoyed every step of the way, and it's uh, I always say to parents, it's so important. It's it's such a roller coaster, such a, there's probably more. The good times outweigh the bad times, but you have more bad times. Yes, and you need you need people around you. You need your parents. I think that's do. sport in general, isn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. Even as a football fan, you you know it's probably the. The worst form of entertainment. <laughs> I, I, I say this quite often, especially being an Everton fan. But you go and watch a game of sport, 
And 90% of the time, it's either boring or your team's poor. But you go for that one moment where it sucks you in again, a 93rd minute winner or winning a cup if you're mm. a player. But you've gone through all that dismal stuff and then that one moment you go, I love this, I want to be yeah. there every week. And if you win a trophy as a player, but you've not gone through all the that's pre-season. The hook, isn't it? That's, that's the hook, isn't it? That's the hook. It's an adrenaline, it's like a drug, You need to come and watch Rylands more, mate. You don't get that for much enough. It's just class. <laughs> so what was Dean like as a kid? Social circles, was it was there wide? Did you have a small social circle? What was... So I think what, what was nice growing up was that I had my school friends who remain my best friends to this day growing up and you got as everyone does has a school friends but the great thing about football is I almost had another life on the side yes. another a different group of friends a different social circle yeah. who are into totally different things and I've always really had that which which has been amazing stuff so I've always had my school friends or my friends where I grew up and then I've had this whole other life in football which which and and weirdly with football you actually get more clo- you get closer to it you spend so much time with yeah, it, especially yeah. when you're a pro every day you're with your teammates then Friday you've got an away game so you're on the bus you're in the hotel you're travelling and, and when I'm and like the highs and lows we're just talking about going through that with anyone will naturally make you closer because you suppose you relate to what each other's going through yeah and it, yeah it's, it's, it is the tough times the injuries the you're going on a bad the loss of form you're out the team that's that's the time when team call it the mushroom squad you get when you get bombed out the team and there's five or six of you you actually get really close yeah. Yeah. you are going you're sharing the managers and want to speak to you you, you have to train on a, a like on a Sunday when the boys are playing on a Saturday yeah. because you haven't done anything so you, you called in on a Sunday so you, you do form a really tight knit um, so those those uh, those are the connections you made and, and I suppose that was great for me growing up and uh, to this day I still speak to those boys that I grew up with in school and the, the guys that I grew up with I suppose the, the guys you've, you've played with as well but obviously because you go from club to club during your career that group of people is probably immense in terms of the people you know yeah you get very close to people and then they go one way and you go the other and you do lose contact but from every club you do one or two stay, that you yeah, just, one or two yeah, that you yeah. still stay yeah. you still stay close to and, that, and that's <clears> happened with me pretty much every club that I've been to there's one or two that still very close to and it is, stay in touch with. It's funny when, when you stop playing and you're out of the team, you think it's that's your full life. And as soon as you leave, you're completely the forgotten person then, aren't you? It's just you're gone. I went back to the change rooms at Thatter Heath uh, a couple of years after I left. I didn't recognise anybody and that no one knew me when I went in. And that had been And there's pictures of you on the wall. Pictures on me the wall. <laughs> but that'd been ten years of your life and you leave. Yeah. And somebody else comes in and replaces you really yeah. quick. And it's nice if you can keep in touch with one or two yeah that, that's the nature of it that, that's the nature of sport you, you, and, and I've found out myself you, you just you, you're very quickly forgotten about but isn't that very life quick. in general yeah yeah. school's the same yeah the teacher once said to me he said you know you think these are your friends they're not they're just people you have to be with mm. yeah. every day so don't let them lead you down the wrong path because you regret it because as soon as you leave the doors teacher's telling you you've got no mates yeah <laughs> <laughs> so then you get to 16 you know, Chelsea what happens then? So I spent spent two years at Chelsea doing my uh, apprenticeship, which was which was phenomenal. Bromwich bought the club. Um, all of a sudden. So what kind of players were you in a team with? Or what? So for me, so so my age group was probably the last age group of boys who really just came up through the academy. Mm-hmm. The year after that, Bromwich takes over. They start not only are they signing 
Drogba yeah. and um, Joe Cole and Arjun Robin and Michael Essien. Um, but their recruitment becomes immense. But now they're starting to sign. But you're still in and around the club at this time, yeah. thinking, "Wow." Oh, for me as as a young as a as a young boy, so I've got Brendan Rodgers as my youth team manager. Mourinho's the first team manager. Um, you've got John Terry's the captain. Frank Lampard, who was like my idol, my my hero. Um, and you're having lunch and they're sitting right next to you, or you're in the gym and and they're doing a workout next to you, or you might. And was get... it kind of, was it the type kind of club feel where they were talking to you, interacting with you and stuff? Yeah, especially someone like John Terry who who had come up through the... He did the same journey. ...the academy. Yeah, so yeah. him wow. in particular, and he, he ran the club. He was Mr. Chelsea. He was, yeah. he was that kind of captain that would just... He, he took control. He wanted to know about everything. So if he was there on a Saturday morning, maybe maybe the first one playing on a Sunday, we had a, a youth team game, and he, he would come and watch us. That's mega And, like, it's those little bits that, for the, for the young players, oh, John, the captain's here, John yeah, Terry's yeah. here. Like, and that's, that's a little bit extra special. Um, so I mean, just to be around those those and it was like superstars, and it was yeah. like the, that period where you just they were starting to like they won the league. Yeah, you're, you're in and around all these like in the car park was the best thing about going in every day. It's like <laughs> right, what's what's the latest car? Uh, who's got a new car? Was, was that then for you probably a negative as well that you'd come in at the time Abramovich comes in because does that sort of shut the door? For you, it made it harder. Yeah, absolutely, it made it harder. But if you were good enough, you were you were going to get your yeah. opportunity. Um, looking back on it now, I think the biggest thing is is for me. Yes, ultimately, I wasn't good enough to go and be a Premier League footballer. Right. Um, but did Chelsea give me the foundations to go and have a long career, career. of relative success as a professional footballer? Absolutely. So is that a success story for Chelsea's academy? I would say absolutely yeah. it is. Not everyone gets to the first team, but through everything that I learned there from the age of nine to 18, yeah. the yeah. education, the grounding, the um, technical side, and I think even when I was 16, learning to grow up pretty quickly. Because um, you do in that environment. You, you have to grow up, don't yeah. you? Quick. Correct. I've seen that with a seven-year-old. That you have to. He's seven, yeah. but he's not. He has to be a man. Yeah. In yeah. A... yeah you learn responsibility very quickly. Uh, so for me, it it was amazing. Chelsea. I don't think they get enough credit for this. And I I haven't had to lean back on the club, but they've really looked after a lot of players. If you look in the academy now, it's just full of players who've former players. Yeah. And they, and they really look after them. They're, yeah. they're amazing at that. Um, so, yeah, and, and as a 16 or 16, that period, I mean, you're an apprentice, you're on 80 pounds a week, but you've like, all your mates are at college, so you've got a bit of, you've got a bit of cash, like when you're, when you're with your mates, you feel like you're like, yeah. who wants, who wants, uh, you can drink then, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you feel like, you yeah. feel like you're, it was, it was amazing. Um, and the reality is you're 16, you're all, you're dreaming of, right, I might be the next, I might be the next superstar. I might, I might like. And, and are the standards like is everyone gunning for it kind of trying to bust the bollock to make it yeah it's it's a really tough period it's competitive it, isn't it oh, but at the same so time you know you're in a team with these people who are your peers and your friends but at the same time you, you're all competing yeah. for the same opportunity your, your best mate might be a midfielder yeah but the reality is 
he's doing better than you, he's going to play and yeah, you're not, yeah. or he's going to get a, a professional contract and you're not. Yeah, yeah. So we're all we're we're a team. But fighting for but fighting for fighting for our lives, and that is that is the reality of professional probably sport and professional football. You're going from contract to contract. Yeah. We're always chasing our next deal. Yeah, yeah. You're on a two year deal, they're getting shorter and shorter now, you're on a one year deal. So if in his relations from that to business as well, though, because you know, as a business yeah. owner, you're not guaranteed an income or a wage and you are constantly, you know, I've been in sales meetings this week, where's the where's the next bit of business coming mm. for the business? And I think And as an employee, you know, you you can't get promotion unless someone dies. Yeah. Or retires, <laughs> but that that's the real. Yeah. So it's the same yeah. across the board. It's probably yeah. just highlighted more on that yeah. football arena. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. So so yes, you you've you got your teammates, but yeah, you are. It's competitive. So then you, you wind up at Rangers, and you've told me how you get your debut. So you're at a massive Scottish club. Yeah, huge. Massive, huge. massive club. What's the average attendance there? 50,000? 52,000 wow. I think at Ibrox. And they follow week in, week out, don't they? Yeah. So it's a religion for them, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible up there. It was interesting how, how I got up there. So I, I, I was like 18, I, was, I had my two <clears> years. I was hoping to get a pro deal at Chelsea. Didn't happen, but Brendan Rodgers was my youth team manager. Yeah. Phenomenal, loved him. Yeah. Um, and no surprise to see like the success he's had. And Brendan then had his links with Celtic. Yeah. Um, and he sent me to Celtic. So I had a week, week at Celtic training. Went really well, loved it. Um, and then whilst I was up there, I, I think it was an agent, I can't remember. But he was a big Rangers fan. He, he was like, right, if, you, if you're coming up here, there's only one club you're going to. Um, and they arranged for me to have a, a week at Rangers. Right. A couple of weeks later or whatever it was, I had a week at Rangers. And then at the end of the week, they put a contract on the table, basically said, look, if you go back to, we know you're at Celtic, if you go back to Celtic, this offer doesn't exist anymore. It wasn't anything to do with ability, they just didn't want to lose out to Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> probably, exactly, exactly. Brilliant. Um, so for me, for me, just in terms of like, off the pitch, it was great, because you're 18, all my friends are going off to uni, so they're going to Manchester, Leeds, Nottingham, wherever they're going. For me, it was like my opportunity to get away, and, Got a flight up to up to Glasgow, off the flight, picked up, taken to an apartment, right, this is where you live. Wow. 18 year old, like I've never paid a bill in my life. Uh, now I've got rent, I've got council tax, I've got um, utilities, it's like, I've never cooked, never cleaned, it's like, <laughs> well, what do I do here? And, and actually one of the best things that probably happened was, often, often in football, before you sign, you get promised the world. Yeah. Um, so Rangers kind of said to us, right, what will happen is after lunch, the chef will, the leftovers, the chef will, will put it, will plate it up for you, take it Doggy back. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so we're three months in, it's never happened. <laughs> so we've kind of said, right, well, where's these like meals you've promised us? And the chef kind of pulled us and he's like, lads, to be honest, I'm just not comfortable with that. I don't want you taking over food, reheating it and all yeah, the rest yeah. of it. And he pulled us into the kitchen and, and started showing us the basics. Beans on toast. But like how to cook as simple as cook pasta, cook chicken, yeah, yeah. make a bolognese, like a few like a few little basics. Yeah, yeah. And that was probably one of the best life skills ever because that made us me and my, my roommate at the time, like it made made us self sufficient. Yeah. And you had to we had to very quickly that is growing up from being at home or digs living with a with a with a family as as a, as did at Chelsea who cooked for you and cleaned for you. Now you've got to do your own wash, you've got to do everything. Yeah. Um, plus, 
be be working. You, you're you're a young footballer, so yeah, it was a, it was a huge learning curve for me. And then so being up there, it was an amazing, fantastic club, um, and I was more involved with the first team, which yeah. was great. So I was training with the first team every day, um, and that was an amazing. Who was manager at the time? So it was Walter Smith. Smith yeah, Ali McCoy was the um, the assistant, and there was just class players everybody looked Davy Weir yeah. legend yeah. Um, Barry Ferguson was the club captain I'm trying to think who else was there at the time Charlie Adam was there so like you, you big know, name players yeah so now you're an 18 year old you're training with training with the first team you're on the bench I suppose that makes you um, a better player as well because you're playing at uh, that level or you're accustomed to it absolutely so I'm I'm looking at Charlie Adam or Barry Ferguson going and this was my mentality I was like okay I know you're the club captain I know you're the legend I want to play against you in a five side or at the end of training or whatever it is because I want to I want to smash you and win the ball with yeah. you and, and like yeah, yeah. I want my team to win like uh, that was my drive that because was my... you've got to take them out of the squad to get get a game out of it yeah and it, it, like some players would go into their shell and they'd be a bit nervous and they'd be like oh there's there's like the club captain and I was like no I, I want to go the other way with it yeah. and I want to show you that I am better not better than you I can Compete with hold you. my own yeah, yeah, and yeah. compete, and I want to get into this, get into this team, and you're the person in my position, and, and whether or not I was going to take his position, probably not, and and ultimately didn't. But I wanted to, I wanted to show that I could. Um, was that show so, yourself that you could? Were you always trying to compete with yourself? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just wanted to play at the best level possible. Yeah. And I didn't want to miss an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I got more involved with the first team. I was on, I was on the bench every week and then got the opportunity to make my debut, which was amazing. It's like 52,000 at Ibrox. Um, just after halftime, Kevin Thompson, who was a very good midfielder, um, got injured. I was out warming up and I, I was just in shock. I got called back, right? Going on. And I didn't even have time to get nervous because as I was getting stripped, he walked off the pitch, so I just like ran on. And I'm like, then like looking around, I'm going, this is unreal. Wow. This is absolutely unreal. Uh, and... Is that, so obviously the adrenaline kicks in then, does that kind of, you're on it then? Yeah, it was, it was like my first touch, I always remember my first touch, really like I had a midfielder come and press me, my first touch, like skipped away from him, kept the ball and got a big round of applause oh, from the band of Oaks class. <laughs> Um, I bet that's one of those moments you never forget though yeah never forget it and the, the nice the, the nicest thing about it was that it could have been our last home game of the season we were still chasing the league so it was an important game but after the game we did like that lap of honour to the yeah. to the fans to say thanks for the season whatever and I was like when you don't play you could, I would have hung out the back and been a bit kind of sheepish and not really like yeah. got involved but because I played I was like the front, front going, <laughs> this is all for me this is the last and like I just I always remember I just had that feeling like this is what I need this is what I want Yeah, I want this in my life because that was just like the most phenomenal thing to me to be playing in front of that many people to be to be walking around we won the game to have that to have that feeling that you've been a part of something um it was it was yeah, it was it was a nice, nice way to meet your debut, yeah. Brilliant. Did you win the game, yeah? We won the game, won the game three one. Um so yeah, good good memories. Just 
sort of going through, all through all that football stuff, we had a bit of a chat this morning about it, but have you always had a will to win? Has that always been there? Anything that you do? Yeah. Whether it be a board game, whether it be schoolwork, to be the very best, is that sort of... I don't, I don't know if it relates to a board game. I, I just I speak to my parents. I, I wasn't interested in toys growing up. I just yeah. loved football, football and tennis. Yeah. And I was bad loser. Bad temper at tennis. Yeah. I want to tell you. Bad temper smashed a few rackets in my time. John McEnroe uh, style. Hey, yeah, yeah. I was I was and that that's probably Yeah, I was so desperate to do well. I was so desperate to win. Uh and would that relate to board games? I don't I don't think so, but if it was to do with my sport, then I had to win. Yeah, yeah. Then I had to win. Um so yeah, I was I was always I was always driven. If it if it was a five side, I I would get upset if I had a bad training session. Yeah. So I had very high standards on myself, and to this day, like, don't really want to be around me if, on a on a Saturday night or a Sunday if we've played if we. Played I don't bad believe games. that because he is the nicest person I've ever met <laughs> off a football pitch. <laughs> don't see me when I get home. It's like Jekyll and Hyde when he gets over that line. <laughs> well, that was the thing that like I was yeah I was different. I was driven to win. I was, I was on it, and, and I think you have to speaking to players now about like our careers you have to have that nasty side yeah yeah. be as nice as you want off the pitch everyone's your mate that's fine once you get on it don't care what we do I don't care if, if how we win as long as you I win I want to win yeah that's good though uh, I like that and, and that, that was that was my mentality um, and plus I, I always felt I always felt even, even growing up through the academy I, physically I was never big so I was always playing catch up. I was never in so when we were younger we used to play eight aside or seven aside, whatever yeah. it was. It was an A team and a B team. They tried to make it out to us that it's oh it's done on it's done geographically where you live in London. If it's an away game, we'll send those boys there and you can go to but the you away knew. game. There was an A team and a B team. <laughs> and I was I was always in the B team. Right. So I was never one of the better players. And I sometimes feel with the better players, it come, uh, things come a little bit too easily. You don't have to work for things. Yeah. I was always the one who I had, to, I had to work. Physically, I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't the quickest. So I had to find a way of, of being a success. I wasn't the most talented. Have you seen um, players that through your journey growing up at Chelsea that were super talented but didn't work hard enough hundreds, and never did nothing? Hundreds, hundreds. Interesting. It's mindset, though, and it goes back to what you were saying about having the right mindset and yeah. applying yourself. Those are, the worst, everything. those are the worst ones for me. Yeah. You look at them, you're like, you've got so much. Have time. you got no regrets? You know, in terms of you couldn't have done anything more to get. You know, some of the yeah. players have gone, I could have been in Chelsea's first yeah. team. Is there nothing that you think about where you think you've done everything possible? I, I, all I want to say at the end of my career is I could, I could like, the level I got to was I have <clears> maximised <throat> everything that I had. Yeah. So if that was in the championship, that was playing for my national team, I knew that I couldn't have done more and been a Premier League player. That it, yeah. I just wasn't talented enough or physical enough or had the right physique or whatever it was, but I gave myself every opportunity to yeah. play to the top level that I could have done. And I, I, like, I don't like excuses. Yeah. So I don't want to play on a Saturday and think if only I didn't go out on Tuesday. And I, no, I, I don't want to play badly on a Saturday and say, oh, do you know what? If only I didn't go out on, on like Tuesday night, 
I want to play bad on Saturday and just say, do you know what? I've just play bad. Just a bad game. Yeah. yeah. I, the thing is, you've got to live as well, haven't you? You have, you've you got have to, to live. You have to. Absolutely, and, and <laughs> done a lot of living, but there's, but there's a time and a place. Yeah. yeah. So if, it's, if we've got a game on Saturday and a game on Saturday, Saturday night, absolutely. Yeah. But I just, I just didn't want to be in a position to give myself an excuse. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want an excuse. And, and footballers are, we're very good at excuses. The grass is too long, the grass is too short, the winds. The balls are too hard. Yeah, <laughs> we've discussed those balls. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I don't want to, I didn't want to give myself an opportunity to have an excuse. I just wanted to know, I played well, great, I've done my work this week and I've played well. That's the nature of sport, we're not robots. No. You can't play well every week, otherwise... So that's probably, you are a nice guy, <laughs> probably the nicest guy in football we know, but is that because you're comfortable with everything that's happened? You know, there's no frustration in you that I should be here, I should be there. Because yeah. you see a lot of frustrated footballers yeah. that think they should be somewhere else. We all think we should, we should be, speaking to, he's not my agent anymore, he's just a very good friend of mine. Uh, this morning, it's, it's the transfer window and, and he's talking about some players and, and he's, he's saying like, Players always look at a player who gets a move and think, you're joking me, how's he getting that move? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you, you can never, like, it's not the player's fault, good for nope. him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just be better. Yeah. yeah. Just, just be better yourself and you might get the move. So, you're like, I was always driven to just be, be the best you can. Be the best. Leave it can. all out there and the rest will happen, yeah. won't it? So, obviously, Rangers, you then go onto various different clubs back in uh, English football. Um, tell us a little bit about, obviously, your international um, career, if yeah, you so, like. So, um, 8th of September, 2012. Yeah. I, I, actually, I actually had a call-up South Africa before that. Right. Um, we played Australia at Loftus Road, QPR's ground, um, and that was before the World Cup. I was probably too young. I, was, I, I imagine I was, I was 19-odd. Um, and didn't come on, didn't play, never heard from him again. Pretty much thought, no, no, that's it. Um, we did the odd interview in, with, with South African Press just to make them aware, like, you've got a player who's playing in the... the, the I was in League One with Oldham at the time. South African-born, um, would love to represent the national team. So we did the odd article... Was that always um, an ambition as well? You wanted to go and yeah, represent I mean, your if, country? If, if you've got... It's, it's, it's a great achievement. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the pinnacle, isn't it, yeah. really? So, get a random phone call. It's a plus two seven number. Ran out, I was actually playing golf. Um, would look at it, probably put it down, but I decided to answer the call. Um, and it's the new national team manager, a guy called Gordon Nickerson. And he's called me up and said, look, we... Um, we're playing Brazil next week. <laughs> we want you to uh, want you to come and join the squad. I was like, this is a wind-up. <laughs> like, asked me to come and join the squad in Brazil. Um, so, so get get to Brazil. Don't know the lads. Um, they were the majority travel from South Africa. We travelled. A few of us travelled from from various places in Europe. Um, get to Brazil. Meet the squad. There's two ways that you can do this. You can either kind of shy away and be nervous and. And or just jump into it. Or just jump into it. And I, I felt, let me be exactly as I, I was captain at Oldham at the time, let me be exactly as I was at Oldham. Give it absolutely everything. If I come on for a minute, what what story to tell? Yeah. yeah. Played against Brazil. So trained well, I think. Um, 
if I can remember. And Friday night we had the team meeting and expecting to be on the bench and the manager just put the team up and I'm starting. I'm like, you're joking me. Uh, and I always remember like the national anthems the next day and you're like looking along the line to see who's who you're playing against and it was like Neymar, David Luiz, Marcelo, uh, Hulk, um, Danny wow. Alves. Was that another, obviously, did that take you back to kind of Ibrox and another moment where you're like, yeah. pinch me, I'm never forgetting that this was, again? That was phenomenal. That was, that it was, was amazing. Dean uh, kindly come and did a training session with Harrison's team. And all these kids only watch professional football now, Premier League football. So Dean comes and it's not, it is a big thing because he's the Ryland's captain, it's Ryland's team. Dean tells that story at the start. As soon as he mentions all them players, he has 100% attention. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I mean, yeah, it's a really good, really good memory. And uh, you, you did all right in the game, didn't you? And we lost 1 0. Hulk scored late, but like the Brazilian fans applauded us off the pitch because we'd played that well. Um, <laughs> That's which was, which was really good. Uh, you've got like Neymar. And I think it, he was quite young at the time and, and like he was still, I mean, he probably done this the rest of his career, but he was diving, the fans were on his case a little bit, but I. I do remember smashing him pretty early on, which is, uh, <laughs> which, and that's just it. That's just what once once just once a game kicks off, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, it's, it's completely irrelevant. Um, so that that was my that was a pretty uh, pretty cool way to start, um, and it just went on from there. Just just um, carried on with the national team for uh, probably over space of ten years with the national team wow. which was so um, you've gone from thinking oh boy get one minute that'll be an amazing yeah. story to getting what 50 plus caps and playing in three African Cup yeah shows. so you had was, a bad moment in one of them as well didn't you I did miss a penalty thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was my, it was my, fir- it was my first AFCON um, and it was a home AFCON so I missed the World Cup 2010 which was apparently incredible um, to be the host nation and the, and is that the Vuvuzela year? That, that is Vuvuzela, yeah. Got some of them yeah. down at the club, then <laughs> quickly disappeared. <laughs> um, and so to play in, a, in an AFCON, which we hosted, to be that, that the home nation was, was amazing. First game, I didn't play the first game, it was at uh, FNB Stadium, which is our Wembley, which is like 90,000 plus. Didn't play, we drew 0 0, and then we moved to Durban, a stadium called Moses Mabida Stadium, beautiful stadium. So they're all the World Cup stadiums, so they're, yeah. they're all phenomenal stadiums. Um, and we, we managed to get out into our groups, into the quarterfinals against Mali, um, stayed in Durban for the quarterfinals, so we were so, um, be talking 40, 50,000. One lap at half time, going really well, they equalised in the second half, one all, Seda Keita, who was playing for Barcelona at the time, equalised and go to penalties and thought, yeah, I'll, I'll step up to a pen. <laughs> um, <laughs> saved. And I've never heard 40,000 people, 50,000 people go so I've never heard such silence. Was that the one, was that it when you missed? No, thank, I, I was the second or third penalty. Two guys missed after me, oh, so yeah. Yours was, is really was, irrelevant, and, and yours. <laughs> we forgot about that. Weirdly, weirdly and, and, it, and it kind of flipped on its head when I went and moved out there, but... I probably left the country the next day to come back to, to Oldham where I was yeah, at yeah. the time. So you just coincidentally, like, yeah, you, <laughs> the flight was booked. Yeah. He's you, fled the country. You, you get away from the, the scrutiny and the lineup because yeah. what I saw is that playing for the national team, the um, the scrutiny and the media yeah. pressure just amplifies. Yeah. So everyone talks about the English press being like that. With but the is that like that everywhere? Oh. Yeah. 
At least it's not just us. No. <laughs> the presser on you. The presser on you. But you didn't see the, nothing. Well, so. I, I could just get away. That was great. So you could... I suppose social media wasn't a big thing. Social media, I suppose Twitter was, was, was a thing then. Yeah, yeah. But wasn't as vicious as maybe it is now. Yeah. Um, so it was, um, yeah, tough, tough one to take. It, yeah, it was, it was not the best memory. Um, but I have since played in some big games in that stadium and scored a penalty in that same. But I had to like Brilliant. bury the bury the ghosts. So yeah, yeah. We went to when I was playing there domestically. We we were in like the FA Cup final equivalent, and it went to penalties. And I was like, right, I have to go and score in penalty to to bury it. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Nice <laughs> um, that, Overcome adversity. So Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 part of it. There's a mindset it's, that to do it's, that. Um, like we said, it's the highs and lows, isn't yeah. it? And the yeah. triumphs. And but to be just to be there, that's you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a mega achievement. You know, you've done it? you've done things. Let's be honest. What are your mid thirties now? You've done things in your life in your career that the majority of the world's population will never do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that in itself is like that's mega. That's. I can't myself very lucky to have lived my dream. Yeah. Yeah. For fifteen years, I got to I got to wake up every morning. And like, if you take all the politics out of it, because there is politics and. There's highs and lows. If you take all of that out of it, I went in every day and kicked a ball about with my mates. Yeah. And, and got paid for and it. And got paid for it. And, and you're now at the pinnacle of your career yeah. on the Real People podcast. It doesn't get much <laughs> bigger than this. <laughs> You've cracked it now. <laughs> <laughs> so now you you know, you maybe another year or two left and we had a chat before the show about that. It's coming to the end of the football journey. Yeah. How's the transition gonna be now for you into the world of work Real yeah world. so Warrington playing, playing for Rylands has been amazing so so leaving professional football is tough because it's all you know you've dedicated your whole life to it and I say to my dad I'm like right my dad's a dentist I'm like right tomorrow you cannot do another filling you finish you can't you, you're done you can't be a dentist anymore. what a conversation over a yeah. Sunday dinner <laughs> no more fillings dad <laughs> I'm like what, what, what are you going to do you can't be you can't be a dentist anymore yeah. and like that's the difficulty all we know is it's a trade, it's, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's like telling it an electrician they can't wire another yeah. bug. It's so, and and it's a, it's it's a you're in a bubble. You're in a bubble. You're in a bubble in terms of your. It's 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 not a business world. It's not. It's its own little. Um, it's its own little world, and you don't really know anything outside in terms of salary in terms of the money that you can earn like that was for me coming out of football I'm going right what am I going to do now I did my I did a degree when I was playing so I've got a sports science degree I did I networked I went on courses I met people and I thought right when I come out through the transition I'll be okay someone will, someone will call me someone, there'll be an yeah. opportunity and the mad thing about it is you think all these things are going to happen it's when Dean got kicked out of Aldi for asking for a Is it? So what happens on that day that your professional contract ends? So we, we've talked about kind of like people in the military yeah. and how they transition. As soon as they leave, they're done. They, leave, they walk out that gate and the world is in yeah. front of them and, and nothing. Is it very similar in the professional sports game yeah. where it's kind of day one, you're in it, day yeah. two? I left, I left Carlisle, um, so I'm like 33, 34, uh, leave Carlisle had a season where I didn't play as much as I would have liked um, and then clubs are going well okay you didn't play that much last year have your legs gone like why aren't you playing you're 34 don't really sign players over 30 so so your your opportunities become less and less 
end up going to National League side for Altrincham part time at the time. The money's not enough to support a family. Yeah. Not enough to support myself even, yeah. let alone a family. Not when you're used to what you've been previously earning as a full time <laughs> professional. In at levels, the money's the money's good. It's not exceptional. It's not the one percenters in the Premier League. It's, yeah. it's championship. There's some fantastic money, and there is. There is it is great money, but over a very short space yeah. of time. So the, your working life is far longer than your fifteen yeah, year yeah, playing yeah. career. Um, but all of a sudden, I'm now part time. I'm like, I've got, I've got to get a job here. Yeah. What experience do I have in the real world? Nothing. So I'm looking at jobs, jobs board. And I'm going well. Who's going to employ me? What, like, yes, I've got life skills and I've got experience and I've got. There's a lot of transferable skills. But what is, what do I want to do? Yeah, yeah. Surely there's a, there's a massive kind of mental health implication to that. And, you know, yeah. you, I suppose your self-esteem and you're questioning your self-worth, you're thinking, wow, like, that, that must be, you, there's some resilience to deal with that transition. It's, it's tough. It is tough. It's like, I, my brother, for instance, my brother's um, been with this company for a long, long time. He's now in a senior position. He's so, he's, going exponentially up and up and up yeah. whereas we have our career which gives us a great head start in 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 life in the grand scale of things but then you, you almost take a, a nosedive and, and you become start again. you almost become like a like a graduate yeah you got to, you're going in looking for a starter's salary yeah. and you've not but at yeah a time, I suppose everyone looks at footballers and think oh you earn that money oh great you've been there it's amazing yeah. but like you say come mid-30s it's like yeah. well you've still got another life to live yeah. another 60 plus yeah. years do you know but what I mean that, those transition years you've probably got more responsibility, responsibilities than ever you've probably got a young family you've got yeah. bills to pay you've got a mortgage you've got so you kind of get yourself that's that's the difficulty and that's why you see and having gone through it myself that's why you see players struggling yeah. it, it's, it's incredibly tough you You've got, as a player, you've got this status, you've got people want to speak to you, people want to know you, people want a selfie with you. All of a sudden, you're finished. You're, you're, you're old news, you're finished. Someone takes your place. No one's really interested in you anymore. And and people move on very, very quickly. Yeah. And you've got to find, and, and as a player, a lot is done for you, a lot's taken care of. Yeah. Most players won't have a GP because there's a club yeah. doctor yeah, yeah. who. But you never struggle for a dentist, though. So now you've uh, gone into a role which all the things you've spoke about is something that you can help people with. So do you want to tell us about yeah, what you're so, doing? Yeah, so coming, coming out of football, I moved into, I was, I was looking, I was thinking, what, what do I do? Um, so I ended up with a company called Game Plan Financial, who are a financial services company. So everything from insurance to mortgages to... Um, to pensions and investments so and it's in the name a little bit game plan it's a bit of a sports theme to it and, and all the advisors are athletes or former athletes and the the two owners they took the stance that the all, all these athletes are going to get to a stage in their career where they're going to need to move on into a new a new career and they train us up get us ready get us we, we work and get um accredited and then you're ready to go out to market so they they were absolutely fantastic and they kind of trained me up and went into the insurance space 
which I mean, it's a far cry from going out and training every day. It's yeah. very uh-huh. different, but life has to move on. And, and it was it was great to, to, to be involved and learn a completely different skill. Yeah. Joined Real 5. All of a sudden, it's like, right, I'm networking now with business people. And I need to talk about, like, life insurance or... How everyone just business. wants to talk about football. And everyone wants to talk about football. Like, <laughs> <laughs> stop talking about. I need to earn some money. But again, that that's one of the, the nice things about it because people do like to speak about football and, and it builds a bit of rapport, uh, rapport, yeah, yeah. bit of familiarity, um, and and that's part of the job. It's, it's about making people feel comfortable and, and having conversations. But you have to. I've never gone to a networking event before. I've never spoken yeah. to. Never had to go and speak. Did you to get it. a little bit of imposter syndrome in that scenario? 100%. Yeah. I was I was doing loads of things at the time. I was sitting in my my brother in laws in uh, involved in commercial property, so I'm sitting in meetings with him because I I, I love my property. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm so you home. can walk out on the hallowed turf of Ibrox. Yeah. And it doesn't phase you. But you can walk into a real five networking room. <laughs> and you know the funny wow. thing is, the people that he, Dean has imposter syndrome in the group, everyone's in awe of Dean yeah. and wants to talk about these same pictures with more Salah and people like that yeah. on the internet. And I suppose it's probably made your transition easier because yeah. everyone's got something to talk to Dean yeah. about. Yeah, that's in the room. There's a nice link there. Yeah. Um, and it just it's a, it's an easy opener, yeah. easy conversation. Um, but absolutely, imposter syndrome, hundred percent. Because I'm like, right, I, first of all, I need to know my stuff. Yeah. Because that's the difficulty is, and especially when you try and speak to players you know or friends, you kind of go, well, okay, let, let me help you with your insurance. Let me let me um, let me sort your business out. Let me put things in place for you. And they're kind of going, just know you as a footballer. Like, <laughs> what do you know about? What do you know about income protection yeah, or yeah. or um, key person or yeah you've almost got to reinvent you've got to, re- you've got to reinvent yourself so if you're coming in and your knowledge isn't right so that was one of the things for me I had to make sure that I was that I knew my stuff that was that was in a, in a position to help people in what I was doing now um, and I say re- I had to reinvent myself um, so a massive learning curve for me really enjoyed it really good just to get out and meet just completely new people yeah. people that, that just it wasn't it wasn't something that I did um and roll on now what we two years post kind of coming out of the professional game i've recently taken on a role with the professional football association which is i we're, we're called i think the, the, the job title is player services executive um posh title so <laughs> yeah it's a great title so in our department there's there's 12 of us and we look after clubs in from premier league championship league one league two we look after all the players so we're the, the PFA is the players union um, I think the tagline is um, for the players by the players so all former players um, and we, we are there to support players through the transition that we discussed um, we're there to support players through the highs and lows if, they're, if they have a long term injury if there's a mental health inj- um, episode we can um, signpost them to the wellbeing department um, if there is a dispute or a disciplinary, we're there from a union perspective to support them through that to try and get the player basically back on the pitch. Yeah, we yeah, want the yeah. players to be doing well. Um, and it's a fantastic organisation to be in. And, and for me, having grown up, and all I really know is the football industry to be 
having a role on the uh, slightly on the other side, but to be still in touch still with players, involved going in it, to, yeah, yeah, going into clubs, going to training grounds, speaking to players, offering support. The great thing is, whatever the players are going through, we've been through it. Yeah, yeah. we've had. And is that why they employ footballers? Because probably it's a more yeah, connected they, role then. Yeah, they they it's, when a player comes to you and they they talk about their injury or they've been they've been left out of the squad and they're, they're having to train by themselves and we've all been through it so we can relate to them yeah, yeah. or they can relate to us they know we're talking from a position of experience um, and it just means that the players have trust in us um, so again it's, it's, it's all about helping people which I, I felt in the insurances as well it's, uh, it might not seem that way when you're taking out a, a, an insurance contract but we are putting something in place that if ever someone had to claim it's going to be a massive help and, yeah. and this now with the PFA we are helping our, our players whatever they're going through we're there to, to support and I think in my career I was a captain of, of most of my many of the clubs that I played for again it's it's like a bit of a players will come to you or you'll see someone's not quite right and you've got to be that supportive person sometimes you worry more about other people than yourself yeah. That's for me that's the role of a captain yeah uh, and I looked at John Terry when he was a captain and, and he took that supportive role on and had to look out, look out for his teammates. It's not just shouting on the pitch, is it? It's everything that's else. The, was... That's the only, that's the, that's the final thing you see. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's a tiny percentage of everything that goes yeah, into what he is. It's, it's the other stuff. It's the, it's the stuff behind the scenes. It's the dealing with the dressing room, dealing with the manager, dealing with the player who's, who's not dealing with them, but supporting them. Um, and I think each role that I'm that I've taken on is has still got that element of, of support and help. Yeah. And, um, hopefully. So there's a theme, isn't there, through your whole career that you you're now carrying that into the role that you're in. Wow. Mega podcast. Mega. Do you know what I think for me? I don't know what your takeaways are, Mark, but the, there's a recurring theme in everything you've done that you've got the right mindset and the mentality to just an unwavering drive to be the very best at anything you do and you know you, you leave it all out that and to be fair obviously we see it on a Saturday at Rylands and it's exactly the same you know everything is left on that pitch and in everything that you've done you've given it you know, everything and left it all there and I think that's why you've been as successful as you have been and I think there's a lot to take away from that yeah yeah I think I think one of the, one of the key things for me was was trust like there were more talented players than me absolutely 100% my national team stint there were four different managers the way the national team works is whenever there's a squad manager can pick whoever he wants you, yeah. you'll see yeah, yeah. with the England squad so Gareth can pick whoever he wants yeah. so I always say well why did I four different managers they always select me and I was by no means the most talented yeah. there's a player we wouldn't know who he is here far more talented than me why was he why did he not go on to 60 caps Trust was the biggest thing for me, and I think that that in life is really important. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, people want if if they know they can trust you, they know you're reliable. That then leads to probably leads to business deals. You know what? Now that comes out down to how you show up every yeah. day and in everything you do, and you know the way you showed up as a youngster at Chelsea is exactly the same as the way you show up as a Ryan's yeah. captain. Absolutely. So show up every day. I think that's a good takeaway from the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really appreciate that, Dean. No. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Enjoyed that.
And uh, yeah, we'll get you on, obviously, in a, in a few years' time when this is massive. We'll get you on The Real Podcast live. <laughs> <laughs> on stage. <laughs> Cheers, Dean. Well, no, thank you so much. Cheers, thank you very much. All the best. Thank you.